Welcome to the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast. This podcast is sponsored by my supporters on Patreon and by B Books, publisher of A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption, which is now available in print, ebook, and audiobook. B Books also publishes climate smart romance novels by Tara L. Roy. Learn more at bbooks.org. You'll also get free climate smart downloads, including tips for weathering drought and flood, and the Farm Emergency Preparedness Plan. When you subscribe to BeeBooks newsletter, sign up at beebooks.org, beebooks.org. I'm your host, author and multimedia artist, Rebecca L. Fraser, and I'm excited to share this episode of the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast with you. So let's dig into it. Part 7. Under Pressure. Pests, Pathogens, and Weeds. Climate change isn't just happening in one region or another. It's a global thing. Lindsay Dutrois, Washington State University, Plant Pathologist. Chapter 15. Pests and Pathogens are Adapting. What this means for you. In the last 10 years, Buckwheat has taken off as a crop in central Washington's Columbia Basin, where over 10,000 acres grow, some for export to Japan. Baby leaf spinach is another new crop in the area, testament to the fact that the Columbia Basin is gaining repute as a good area to raise a wide range of crops. Farmers are drawn to the amount of land available, the irrigation available, and the expertise among growers and the presence of numerous seed companies that bring contracts to growers. Yet, with opportunity comes risk. In this case, new diseases that prey on the area's recently established crops. Researchers at Washington State University have identified new pathogens in Washington's buckwheat crops that were never reported in the United States before 2015. Pathogens are living populations of organisms with individuals that do better in different conditions. These populations are constantly shifting. Plant pathologists monitor shifts in populations over time to be aware of what's happening with pathogens in relation to environmental changes, and in response to farming practices. This is especially important in the context of climate disruption because insects, pests, and pathogens worldwide are adapting to the changing climate. Researchers at the USDA and Cornell, Rutgers, and Washington State University are monitoring changes in environmental conditions, some of which are caused by climate disruption. They're also monitoring changes in pest populations throughout the country. As reported in the third National Climate Assessment, insects are directly affected by temperature and synchronize their development and reproduction with warm periods and are dormant during cold periods. Higher winter temperatures increase insect populations due to overwinter survival and, coupled with higher summer temperatures, increase reproductive rates and allow for multiple generations each year. In the Northeast, the growing season is lengthening and Cornell's Mike Hoffman said this increases the chance of more generations of pests during that warmer period, which could result in greater damage. 
He said the lifespan varies by pest, but adding 15 to 20 days to the growing season gives some pests that much more time to develop and damage the crop. From 1990 to 2012, plant hardiness zones shifted a full zone north. Hoffman said, we can now grow canola in New York, which we could not in the 1990s, for example. That also means some insect pests that used to not survive over winter in certain areas are now able to survive because of the warmer winters. Marjorie Kaplan, Associate Director of the Rutgers Climate Institute, shared reports of southern pests like tomato pinworm and a northward expansion of beet armyworm in New Jersey fields. She said, similarly, we have had reports that peaches have been developing ahead of schedule, and in recent years, peach rusty spot and peach blossom blight have been showing up in higher levels, occurring early in the growing season. Two pests that affect sweet corn are thriving in the changing climate. The corn flea beetle used to be wiped out during most winters in the Northeast by cold temperatures. Now it's much warmer, so it survives and is a pest almost every year. The corn earworm used to arrive late in the summer on storm fronts. Now, Northeast growers and researchers find corn earworm early in the season because it's able to overwinter in the area's warmer winter conditions. As reported by Nystrom, Vanette, Dykhoff, Holmer, and Koch in the scientific journal Biological Control in January 2017, brown marmorated stink bug, a pest of many important crop plants native to Asia, has invaded the United States, including the North Central States. Researchers investigated the efficacy of classic biological control agents since the stink bug's natural native enemies are not present in areas where the stink bug is invasive. Another recent USDA project investigated the extremely invasive pathogen C.A. Liberibacter asiaticus and a presumed virus that causes citrus chlorotic dwarf in Turkey. According to USDA literature, the pathogen is transmitted by a white fly already widespread in the United States and thus has very high potential for invasiveness. The research was designed to improve both scientific knowledge of invasive pathogens of citrus and provide new tests useful for the detection and management. While neither of the above projects specifically targets climate disruption, Washington State University's Lindsay Dutois points out that projects like these are highly intertwined with climate disruption. She said, plant pathogens for the most part are very strongly influenced by environmental conditions. Their ability to reproduce, to sporulate, to thrive, to spread are very strongly influenced and on a very narrow scale. A few degrees temperature shift can make a huge difference in conditions becoming more favorable or less favorable for particular types of pathogens. That's true for insects as well. Some of the pathogens I work with are vectored by insects and the influence of environmental conditions, particularly temperature, heat, relative humidity. All that influences things like duration of leaf wetness, amount of dew, amount of rainfall, amount of frost or lack of frost, how long the season goes into the fall, or how early it starts in spring. 
Dutrois works with vegetable seed crops grown in the Pacific Northwest, including spinach, the cabbage family, table beet, Swiss chard, onion, carrot, and coriander. She said, with changing climate, you see a shift in which pathogens tend to be more problematic or less problematic. 2013, 14, and 15 were some of the hottest summers on record in eastern Washington, which made conditions more conducive for opportunistic onion bulb infecting bacteria and fungi. In addition, warm spring temperatures starting earlier in the year allowed some pathogens to get active earlier. The onion seed crops Dutrois grows are biennial, so they must go through a winter to change from an onion bulb crop to a flowering crop of seed. If spring is particularly warm, as it was in 2016, diseases like downy mildew become active earlier in the season. That creates a longer window of susceptibility. Dutrois reported, We had the worst problem with downy mildew last year, and I've seen 16 years of working with onions in the Columbia Basin. Managing pests and pathogens has always required awareness of the fact that these are living organisms influenced by the environment in which they live. They're also living organisms that adjust and evolve within their biological limits to environmental pressures put on them. Said Dutrois, climate change is just one set of pressures. As scientists, we try to figure out what are the limits of those boundaries, developing an awareness of the whole system we're working in. Climate is one big factor behind that. Chapter 16. How to Adapt to Adaptive Pests and Pathogens Many things influence the intensity of a pest or disease outbreak. Environment is one of them. Increases in temperature and changes in precipitation patterns are already sparking new conditions and affecting the incidence of pathogens and the geographic distribution of diseases. This will be exacerbated as climate change becomes more intense. We see shifts everywhere. You constantly hear about new diseases showing up that weren't in an area before. Some of that may not be climate change. It may be pathogens moving via global trade, coming in on a crate or something, said Lindsay Dutrois, Washington State University plant pathologist. Just because a new disease shows up that hasn't been there before doesn't mean it's the result of climate change. But certainly, climate change can influence the degree to which the newly introduced pathogen takes hold and flourishes. In the Northeast, climate disruption has caused a 72% rise in heavy precipitation events. That's pretty tough on farming, said Cornell's Mike Hoffman. Because the growing season is now longer, thanks to more frost-free days, it seems logical to plant some crops earlier. However, this can be complicated by intermittent wet and cool periods in the spring that set the stage for pathogens like late blight to take hold and wipe out early tomato crops. This is one example of a pest that has been aggravated by changes in conditions. Farming's already risky, said Hoffman, who advised that as the weather gets more unpredictable and more challenging and creates greater unpredictability in pest infestations, farmers become more diligent, engage in more careful observation, more scouting, and more precision application of pesticides as needed. 
Higher temperatures will affect the efficacy of some pesticides, so that must also be monitored. He added, if you spray one day and it rains for the next three, obviously that's another complication to be aware of. Insects, pests, and pathogens are often tied to a specific phenological stage of the plant. Thus, they attack flowers, shoots, fruits, or leaves. According to Peter Udemans, plant pathologist at Rutgers University, pests adapt to specific geographic regions, microclimates, and even plant genotypes. Udemans reported more range expansion among pests that attack cranberries and blueberries. As an example, cranberry plants begin to flower based on temperature and photoperiod, whereas pathogens respond more to temperature. Therefore, as temperatures increase during the spring months, the fungi develop with flowers and are better able to infect. Udemans said, we are definitely seeing higher rates of infection by certain diseases. Udemans focuses on developing better ways to control disease of plants. With blueberries, he and his colleagues use a phenology-based management system and have developed a blueberry calculator to predict key developmental stages. This is, of course, climate-based and helps growers predict when certain events will occur, he reported. While this and other tools exist to help produce growers adapt as pests and pathogens adapt to climate change, Dutrois, Hoffman, and Udemans agree that the key component to farming success in a changing climate is footprints in the field. Udemans said, Climate change is happening, so you can't just look at your calendar. You need to be out there watching what's going on and not be afraid to report new things. It is likely that we will see new pests. Brown marmorated stink bugs, boxwood blight, spotted wing drosophila, Phytophthora remorum, emerald ash borer are examples of invasive species that we have seen. With climate change, we could see range expansions of insects like the southern pine bark beetle more frequently. Most of these problems need to be addressed by cooperation among growers, foresters, government and university extension programs. Organisms follow the food supply, not property lines or county-state boundaries, so we really need to communicate and work together. Dutois said growers need to be scouting, not just for things they know tend to show up, but also for new diseases that they haven't seen before. Some of the best growers I work with are those that go to commodity meetings not just in their area, but the national meetings, the National Allium Research Conference, or the International Spinach Conference. They learn about what's happening in other areas and become aware of diseases or pests that they might not have had to deal with, but might now start to see in their region because of the influence of climate change on which organisms can become more problematic. Dutois added, some of the best growers she has worked with don't just scout their own fields. They contact her if they hear about a problem that happened in another area to determine whether it's something they should scout for in their area. She added, I really think that the growers who tend to be most successful are those that are aware of what could be coming down the road. Across the United States, organizations and extension agencies offer predictive tools for pests, infestation, and timing. In the Northeast, a system of weather stations known as NIWA 
Network for Environment and Weather Applications, are available for purchase. NIWA stations provide day-to-day -day forecasts linked to three or four dozen models on pests, pathogens, and other weather-related concerns. NIWA provides relevant information to fruit and vegetable growers as the climate changes and risks from pests increase. You can find more information about that at niwa.cornell.edu. NIWA users reported that as a direct result of using NIWA pest forecast models, they save, on average, $19,500 per year in spray costs and prevent, on average, $264,000 per year in crop loss. In Udeman's opinion, the key to responding to climate disruption for agriculture is adaptability. He said, if your farming practices are set in stone, you will probably fail. For nine tips for adapting faster than pests and pathogens, look for the PDF included with this audiobook. Well, I hope you found this episode useful. For additional tips on staying resilient in the face of pests and pathogens, check out the free downloadable PDF called Nine Tips for Adapting Faster Than Pests and Pathogens. You can get that free when you sign up for the B-Books newsletter at bbooks.org. Thanks for listening to the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like my book, A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption, now available in ebook, print, and audiobook. To support this podcast and my other creative endeavors for as little as $1 a month, please visit patreon.com forward slash Rebecca L. Fraser. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.